Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Uh, let me welcome to the show. She, of course, is the founder and CEO of Somacom Lab, creator of the EQ Kids Crew. Let me welcome the great Chelsea Elliott. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much. That was a great intro. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about who's the little boy. What What is this video that, that um, I... I snatched off your page what is this clip so that was a little clip i guess he did Uh, i still don't know all the terminology for everything but he did like the split thing where he could put one video before another like do a response video and um i don't know that kid but he was one of the many 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 teens and kids that responded to um that video and somebody had asked me like back in november to address that phrase. And I was like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll do that when I can. And then things happened and I didn't really have time. And one day I was like, oh, I'm going to make a video about this. And it blew up. It has almost 60,000 views right now. And people are still commenting on it because it really had an impact on them. And those were the types of responses that I got. I wish people would stop saying this to me. I wish my parents would listen, but they'll probably just hit me if I send this to them. Those were the types of things I heard. From kids, from children. Yeah. Children children yeah so again you know i think my job here is to get us out of and i and i i start off the show talking about the 40 days uh journey that i'm on every 40 days resetting part of that it, you know what i said today was like we have to sit in our own bodies in our own mind like we have to spend time with ourselves to examine all of the things that we think about ourselves and why right who are we really and a lot of that, stop crying before I give you something to cry about, something that we heard that we then passed down, like we passed down grandmama's recipes. We yeah. passed down the hurt and the trauma without even thinking about the impact because that child made it make sense. Okay, so I'm hurt, yeah, but you want to slap me, so you're going to hurt on top of my hurt so that I can stop crying as if my tears aren't valid? Like, yeah. make that make sense. But yet we do it and it's just to me habit more so than it is actually like we feel like, you know, and then the kids will, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. and they start doing that. Like that has to be bad. You know, that when you get into that place where you can't even catch your breath yeah. and you're trying to stop crying because you know, you're going to have more trauma. Walk us through. Was that something said mm-hmm. to you growing up, Chelsea? It was, I, I, it is something that's just a habit. And even one parent was like, it's just something I thought was a part of parenting. And I'm like, I, I get that. It's unfortunate, but I get that. And what you're really saying, if you break that phrase down, the reason you're crying isn't sufficient enough for me. So I, the person who is supposed to show you what love looks like and give you a safe space, I am going to inflict pain on you so that the reason that you're crying makes sense and is, is sufficient and acceptable to me. That's what that's saying. And when you think about that, like you don't want to inflict pain on your kids. You like you don't intentionally want to do that, but it comes from dysregulation. It comes from not being able to handle your own emotions and feelings around your child's behavior. And that's the only thing that you can go to. That that's just one of those, you know, general traditional parenting toolbox things that we need to stop. I think we also need to acknowledge that much of our parenting comes from enslavement much like chitlins and oxtails and hog mogs and all the water cornbread and all of the other things not, i'm not all right let me bring back the water cornbread because we should we should stay with that that said you know you know 
we we beat our children so that massa won't beat our children or the overseer won't beat our children we beat our children in sub, into submission because submission means life we beat our children into being quiet because talking back could get you killed we beat our children into obeying because or and not asking questions because questions can get you killed right laughter can get you killed so we 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 steal our children's joy and their expression and their voices because that could have gotten you killed on a plantation, but we're not on a plantation anymore. So why are we still doing plantation things? And I often use chitlins as a metaphor. And I know some of y'all love your chitlins, but again, they were literal scraps off of a table that we made delicious because we had nothing else. But now we have everything because we are abundant. So why are we still raising children as if we are in bondage? Why are we beating them, whipping them, brutalizing them? to to f- make them palatable for a world that will never accept them unless they walk into this world and make it. And they can't make it if we're addling them as young children to obey a system that is unjust, to, to, to be silent when things are happening to them. That's what we're conditioning them to do. Well, I was beaten and nothing's wrong. Are you sure nothing's wrong with you? Let's be honest. You sure? You're okay? Well, no, I'm okay. Are you okay? Are you really okay? Because I see a lot of hurt people out here. Yeah. And the adultification of our children, they're not allowed to be kids. They're not allowed to have any feelings outside of happiness and joy. Otherwise, that's a problem. And I hear all the time, the real world isn't going to coddle our kids, so we need to toughen them up. And I'm like, that's... No, that doesn't make any sense. We are their real world. And if we're beating them up and when they go outside, they're getting beat up, when can they have peace? When are they allowed to have peace in their lives? It is not fair that our kids get treated like that. I'll put the number out. Um, Cause this is to me a safe place. I, you might get gathered a little bit and it's only out of like, let's, let's shake ourselves out of the conditioning, right? I remember having Dr. Stacy Patton on. I've had her on several times and people were mad at her for, but she broke down the science of the spanking and the auto eroticism that we're introducing our children into sexuality by spanking them on their bottoms. Like people are like, that's not true, but the science spells it out, right? So you're sexualizing your child at an early age and people are mad about it. Let me tell you, um, I wasn't spanked much. But I, I was raised in a household because all I needed was one time and I ain't like that. So I was like, I'm going to have to outsmart you two people so that this never happens again. So at an early age, I was playing my parents the F out on a regular and avoiding like I even went so far as to unplug the phones because the teacher threatened to call my house. This was back in the day before there were cell phones. I unplugged the phone from the source like I found the source so it wouldn't ring which was, a, if I think about it now, it was a feat because my mother couldn't stay off the phone. My mother was a phone-talking person. I don't know how I got away with that, but the teacher's like, I'm going to call your house tonight. I was like, mm, that's going to end up in a spanking. So let me find the source of the phone cord here and unplug the phone so that the phone won't ring. I, you know, but I, I wasn't trying to get a spanking because I ain't like that, right? But it did not, you know, it did make me crafty to avoid it, but... I th- just think about all of the in- indiscriminate beatings that so many of us have gotten. And we think that it, it, it helped us. We, yeah. we, we, we are under the delusion that it actually helped us, but what would childhood look like if you didn't get a spanking? 
What would your adulthood look like if Ooh. you were treated with love and kindness and respect as a child and compassion and care and empathy? Yeah. Square the circle for us, Chelsea. Chelsea Elliott is here. She, uh, of course, is uh, she's got an MSW, so she's been out here doing this social work. You know, she's got a master's degree uh, in macro social work, and um, she came up with this 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 game for kids to tap into their emotions because we don't allow for our children to express themselves and it's in the expression and the acknowledgement and the tapping into all that they're feeling that allows them to grow right square the circle of 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 parents that believe that by brutalizing their children they're somehow showing love it's tough love yeah they're I know a lot of parents believe that they're protecting their kids they're not doing it out of actual malice, but when you are parenting from a place of trauma and survival and fear, you you know, if you were raised in a household where everything was chaos and you were beaten on a daily basis, that is just the norm. And anything outside of that, you're afraid that your child's going to grow up and be disrespectful to authority. So you want to make sure that they learn how to respect authority. And that respect looks like them being afraid all the time. But what it really teaches them is like what you were doing, being sneaky and being crafty. They're going to do their stuff. They're going to do it. You remember doing it? I did all of it. I did everything. Yeah, they're going (laughs) to do it, but they're going to learn how to do it in a sneaky way. They are not going to talk to you and you will see the impact of that relationship when they have a choice on whether or not to connect and communicate with you. So I get a lot of slack from a lot of people saying that I'm so wrong and I don't know what I'm talking about, but just wait till your kids get older. Every parent that I've talked to that has a bad relationship with their children now, that was how they were raising them, Mm. teaching them to live in fear to be afraid of authority and not to respect authority because those are two different things and not showing any kind of compassion because the adult has it harder because, oh, your problems aren't anywhere near as big as mine. Well, of course not. They're a kid. But in that moment, in those small moments when they really need to talk to you, you've told them that they can't and that they shouldn't. And they're they're so scared of you that they're just going to sneak around. And they're going to find mentorship and friendship with the wrong crowd because those people are going to show them love because those sneaky people know how to do that. They know how to get, oh, oh, they're broken. They're damaged. They have a bad home life. Yeah, I can get them. All I got to do is be nice because they're not getting niceness from anybody else. I know one person had commented, and I think I think you had seen that on Twitter, that their kids can only be kids between the hours of 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. Otherwise, hours, he needs to be on guard. What? Two hours a day? Two hours a day. I, I looked at that. I was like, am I Listen. reading this right? Two hours because he needs them to be on guard. That's living in fear. That's teaching your kids to fear life and not to live it. Man. So 866-801-8255. And I know this is a touchy subject uh, again, and it's complicated because yeah. for generations, this has been, you know, the norm, especially in the black community. But I've learned um, teaching mostly that children respect you like my, my students, I, I joke about them fearing me, but there's a healthy respect because I'm not playing. I set boundaries. You, you break the boundaries. Like my boundaries are like it's black and white. Like there are no gray areas, right? So you, you break the ba- boundaries. The consequences are you're, you're going to, you know, not get the great. And I always say to them, I have my degree. Y'all trying to get your degree. So you don't show up. I don't care why you didn't show up. That's, you know, 
not showing up in life, they're consequences, not showing up to my class. They're going to be consequences. You're going to not get the grade that you think you should, you deserve. Well, actually you don't deserve the grade. If you're not showing up, you don't hand in your assignments. That's fine with me. I'm not, I'm not going to, the only consequence is going to show up in your grade. You miss class. You're missing a lot. And then they're learning that. So it's to me, you know, and now I have like at least a dozen students working with me, former students, right. On some, some level, and they stay because there's, they understand there's a respect, it's mutual, but there are also boundaries. Yeah. Tell us how parents can, because you don't want your child acting like some other kids. And, you know, you go to the grocery store and the kids fall out on the floor because they didn't get the cookies. And you walk by and you go, mm, that child need a beating, right? Because this is what we say. If you, if that was my child, I'd snatch him up and you're going to yoke him up by the collar and let him know that what you're not going to do is embarrass me in this, in these streets with falling out like that. I suspect though, that your children are falling out Chelsea in the, in the stores and, and acting uh, crazy. I'm suspecting that. My, my kids are kids, you know, and that that's something that kids do. There are some behavioral, there are some developmentally appropriate behaviors that kids do that are annoying. And the reason that people say, I'm gonna snatch my kid up comes from their own embarrassment in that moment. Not their child's behavior, but how they're, they feel they're being perceived by other people. So you're not gonna embarrass me. You, you've heard that. You're not gonna embarrass me in this store. That's, for, that's your own mm. problem. That's not their problem. If they're mad, they're mad. If you haven't taught them how to handle that anger, you need that's to work on fault. that at home. Mm. You need to work on that at home. So, so, so work, work, walk us through that. Okay. Child is misbehaving and you've, you've done some demonstrations before on the show. All right. Define misbehaving first of all, and then give us a solution. Oh gosh. Well, I'll just stick with the falling out in the store. That is something that is very embarrassing and people are going to walk by and look at you. You can respond in one of two ways, snatch them up and, you know, shake them around and hit them and yell at them. Or you can let them have their moment and let people stare at you and say, oh, I can't believe they're doing that. That kid is going to be mad regardless. So the focus needs to be on your child and what they need in that moment. They need to make sure they're safe. So if they're about to hit their head on the floor, help them to not do that. If you have to get down there with them to make sure that they're safe and that they know you're present, that's what they need in that moment. But they don't need you screaming and cussing at them in the store because you feel embarrassed. You need to pretend nobody else is there and focus on your child and their needs. You gotta, we gotta talk to our kids. Hey, we can't get this right now. This isn't in the budget. It wasn't a part of the plan. You can't eat this kind of stuff, but let's see what you can get. Give them some autonomy and let them pick things every now and then. Cause when kids feel really out of control, that's when their first reaction is to fall out and to have a really big response. They either get their way too often with that or they never get their way. And they're going to fall out. They're gonna fall out. But that stuff takes time and it starts at home. My, like I said, my kids are kids. My oldest daughter, she got anger like me and her daddy. <laughs> so she gets mad, but we talk and she knows she can come to me. Now she says, mom, we need to have a conversation and we can talk. <laughs> it is the cutest. What? She's six now. Wait, how old is she? She's six. And she like legit, she said that we, we need to make a conversation corner where we can set up a space that she told me this, where we can set up a space to sit down and calm down and talk together. And I said, well, yes, ma'am, let's do that. And we talk every night before bed. I still sit in her room with her and we debrief the day. And sometimes she'll fall right to sleep. And other times she sits up and is like, you know what? I need to tell you this. 
And I'm like, okay, go for it. And sometimes as she's telling me stuff, my first reaction is like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. What is wrong with you? I'm like, oh, okay, well, tell me more about that. And that keeps the conversation going, makes her comfortable. Our kids, when they respect us, they fear disappointing us. But when they fear you, they are afraid to talk to you. And if everything is going super well and smooth all the time, they're bottling something up that they're not telling you. Mm. And if they're crying all the time, their, their behavior is communication. They're telling you something is wrong and they don't feel comfortable or they don't have the words to tell you. So I've been working with a group of preschoolers right now and um, it's been amazing. And every day I tell them, you gotta use your words. Use those words. We're learning these words now, so let's use them. And that has been so game-changing for the school. Wow. It has been a game changer. Just teaching preschoolers how to verbalize. I feel sad. That really made me upset. Just something that simple. There's a 3 million word gap in our community with children because we primarily tell them stop, no, and yeah. call them the N-word uh, as opposed to giving them a range of words. We don't talk enough. We don't read enough. And I'm not talking about all of us. I'm not talking about this audience too because, again, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the converted but your, your cards help kind of close that gap a little bit from what I'm understanding. Now children can tap into the words that they didn't have before, which I think is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing to see the impact that just giving them a word, the definition and a time when they could use that, what that has done, what that can do for them and how it can empower them to understand themselves better, to be able to communicate and connect on a deeper level, but parents have to receive that. We can't say, I don't want to hear it. We can't do that because they're going to shut down every time, every time. And somebody will hear it. Somebody. It, it won't be the one that you want. Um, I'm watching uh, Truth Be Told in this this season. It's about, you know, the trafficking of, of, our, our, of our girls and how, mm. how that happens, how that happens. You wonder, how can somebody pimp a child out? How, do, how does that happen in a good family? How does a good family, because, you know, because a good family, you know, there's levels to that, right? There's levels to it. It's not just what the outward appearance is. It's it's yeah. about this this connection that you actually do have with your children um, at a young age, because then you're conditioning them to be comfortable like you are. Uh, yeah. Thomas in Houston has a question or a comment. Thomas, Houston, Texan, you, Texas, you're on with Chelsea Elliott. Hi. Hello, Karen. Hello, Chelsea. Uh, wow, what a powerful uh, conversation. I wanted to tell you, ask the question, where does this come from? Oftentimes in our community, we hear spare the rod, spoil the child. Mm -hmm. We hear it all the time. And Which is and, not in the Bible, well, by the way. Well, <laughs> right, not. right, right, right. But, but, and, and you had a pastor on the other day said we quote stuff that's not there, and then when we quote it, we don't even know what it means. But when we talk about thy rod and thy staff, thy comfort me, now that's Psalm 23. At the end of the day, a shepherd never beat his sheep with that rod and the staff. He didn't do it. That was a rod of guidance and correction, just guiding the sheep. When the sheep gets stuck in the thicket, the crook on the end grabs the sheep and helps gently pull them out of the thicket. And so we take those biblical, quote-unquote, missayings, and we turn them into culture and tradition. And when I, when I, when I heard the caller, it, it, just, it just blessed my heart. To hear that i heard all of that i even got my own switch all right and and, mm. and and we just need to do better but i just wanted to put that out there uh in terms of how we misunderstand 
As the pastor said the other day, and it was awesome, I would misunderstand of what, what the text says, and then we turn it into a cultural norm. So thank you so much for what oh, you're doing. Thank you. Uh, that's powerful. That yeah. ride and that staff, they comfort me because it is shepherds and sheep, very much that kind of relationship. I'm going to guide you to the right way, but it, they're going to follow. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me because there's a relationship there of of kinship. Uh, that's so powerful. Thank you, Thomas, for, for that reminder. Um, Chelsea, as, as he's talking, I, I, I want you to, again, explain your cards, uh, the lab, the EQ Kids crew. What What is it exactly? Uh, the social emotional card game for kids. How does it, how does it work? Yeah. So the EQ Kids crew, it's a group, a diverse group of kids teaching children about different emotions. So um, I use the emotion wheel. If you just Google that, you'll see a circle. It has 130 words on there. The um, more family friendly game to not scare people has 48 words, but um, I made kid friendly definitions for all of those terms. There are some activities that you can do to help yourself and your kids get a better understanding um, of what those emotions are, but it really just helps to bridge the communication gap and to connect, you know, a behavior with a feeling instead of the focus just being on the behavior. Oh, you're you're kicking and screaming and crying right now. I don't understand why. Um, so I'm gonna punish that behavior. Instead of, oh, you're kicking and screaming because you feel sad right now. Let's talk about that. Let's get into that. I worked with a kid the other day who um, it was at a, an elementary school and he had had a, a meltdown, a tantrum for a whole hour. And the principal came to me and said, can you talk to him? I was like, yeah, I'll see what I can do. If it's been an hour, like, I don't know if I'll be any help. A whole hour, an hour long an hour, tantrum? I don't even know what that looks like. And he was crawling around the office and like growling at people. He was really, it it looked really bad. And so I get there and he's sitting at the table coloring, not wanting to talk to anybody. I took him into the office and I, I was like, hey, what's going on? And he just looked at me with the saddest face. And I was like, oh my God, this baby. And I pulled out my wheel, like legit. Cause I was like, I don't know what else to do with this kid. I pulled out my wheel and I said, how are you feeling? And he pointed to the kid that was sad. And everybody was like, he's so angry. He was so angry. No, he was sad. And he was feeling hurt. And once we talked and I told him, you are not in trouble with me. I care about you. And I'm here to help you. I'm here to help the adults learn how to connect with you. That's what I told him. I'm here to help the adults learn how to talk to you and work with you. But you got to tell me what's going on. And we joked and laughed for a little bit. And he finally opened up and talked to me. And I was like, okay, that was great. That worked. He needed the words. Everybody thought he was mad, but he was sad. So not knowing how somebody's feeling can give you the wrong perception of that feeling and what to do with that. Mm. Ernie uh, in Pittsburgh. Thank you. Chelsea Elliott is here. Somocomlab.com. We tweeted it out so you can get the cards. We tweeted that out too. Ernie in Pittsburgh. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Karen. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of torn because in some ways I, I almost, you know, respect the beatings I got. I'm 69. I mean, my father used to beat me, my, uh, you know, when we did wrong. But every time he punished us, we knew why we were getting beat. The one time we stole some stuff from a department store. The other time I hopped a train, my mother beat me with a switch. I'm, and my father had a post office belt. So he used to, before we get beat, he used to be clapping that belt and telling us why you're getting beat. Now, what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm seeing now, though, what she's saying is interesting because 
my wife tells me she never beat her daughter. She said, because she's intelligent. She said, I ain't going to say the name, but she said, she's, she's very intelligent. And so she said, I didn't have to beat her. I talked with her. So I'm, I'm kind of torn because I see both sides, but in some ways I respect that I knew my boundaries because I knew that my father would, you know, would beat me. And, and, and so I would, I would make that quick decision. Do I go with my, you know, friends and do this dirt over here or do I stay, you know, straight because I don't want to get that belt. So I'm kind of torn, you know. How, how many times did you get a beaten, Ernie? Oh, my goodness. Karen, I was a knucklehead, so I got beat oh. at least, wow, I, 20 Okay, times. so so and, and cool. if if it punishment. worked, if it worked, you would only be beaten one time, exactly. because you wouldn't right. do anything after that. If the beatings actually worked, right? So there would be just one mm. book beaten, and then you would be like, "I ain't trying to do that again." Like that's where I was. For you, Chelsea, a child steals something from the store. What? And thank you, Ernie, for sharing that. You know, because again there's a romanticism attached to some of our beatings, you know, especially if you got siblings, it's something y'all talk about it around the table with mom and dad. You know, remember that time when you broke um, Melvin's hip with the, oh, that actually happened in my father's family. That said, yeah, yeah, they beat his brother so bad they broke his hip and he had a limp and then he was so violent he would get into fights all the time and he literally died being stabbed to death in a pool hall. So I, I, I feel very strongly about this, Chelsea. Um, so wh- wh- how would you respond to, to Ernie, you know, being caught stealing? Ernie, I appreciate your honesty. Um, it, it's, again, going back to fear. So you learn to fear your parents. You learn to try to do things in a sneakier way. So you didn't stop stealing, did you? No, no he said he got no. beaten 20 yeah. times. You so did a bunch right. of stuff. <laughs> Right. So you didn't actually stop stealing. You probably tried to do it in a sneakier way, but you needed to get to the root that the adults should have tried to get to the root of that theft. Why are you stealing? What in your brain is telling you that this needs to be done right now, that you need to be taking something from somebody that's not yours. So that's Mm. where that needed to go and not, I'm going to beat you right now to teach you a lesson. Or why do you feel the need to, to appease your friends? Like yeah. What, yeah. they won't accept you unless you do something that's illegal. Like right. you, you have these kind of friends that would uh, put you in a situation to go to jail. Are these the people you want to hang out with? Cause they're going to hang out anyway. Right. You know, my father didn't want me to play with these kids across town. I would ride my bike across town, play with them anyway. Cause I wanted to play. I like playing with them. That said, yes, I understood as an adult why, but you know, th- the conversations weren't had, you know, actually I did have a conversation with my father. I said, that's unfair. And he was like, well, here's, you know, we actually talk, but that's, you know, to your point, let's, let's, uh, we have to go to break. Will you stick around because we have all of the lines are lit and then let, let's tap in, uh, Danielle too. Cause she's a psychiatrist, you know, so let's, let's have this conversation today. Uh, 866-801-8255. And I appreciate y'all coming in with your, your courage today to have these conversations because it's important. We got to change the trajectory of our future and this is how we do it. All right. Some housekeeping yesterday. I gave bad information on Nikki Haley's success in as governor. Um, I was combining it. I said 1.2, whatever it wasn't 1.2 million. She got like 600,000 each time. Uh, so I want to first apologize and uh, challenge my team to make sure that that doesn't, uh, that I never put out bad information that stays more than 24 hours. So I want to do that. Also uh, in the Bible, 
Proverbs 13, 24, to spare the rod and spoil the child is deceptive uh, in that the child will grow up believing that sinning has no consequence. That's the, the explanation of it. But it says, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Uh, I think it's time for us to put away the colonized Bible that has kept us oppressed and start loving our children with all of our heart, our minds and our souls and give and showing them what love looks like, because that's old Testament and Jesus came to show a different way. That's the Jesus. I know Jesus ain't never talk about hitting your child. Anyway, if you're a Christian, if you're not do what you want, let me uh, welcome Chelsea Elliott back. She is the founder and CEO of Somacom lab. She's the creator of EQ kids crew, which is, uh, a social emotional card game for children. Last time she was here, um, few times before we talked about the genesis of this and how emotions, some adults, I was like this y'all, y'all playing with your children. Hopefully you're playing with your children. Also learning some emotional quotient as well. Is that, is that the proper way to say that Chelsea? Yes. You are <laughs> muted. I can't hear her. Smith. Keep doing It's not you. It's not you. Keep talking. Talk. Um, increasing okay. their emotional intelligence. That's how you want to say that. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Increasing emotional intelligence. All right. Um, you ready to take some more calls? Cause all the lines are lit. And I love, I love that people are calling. I love that they are challenging the ways in which they, you know, I love the brother saying, mm-hmm. I, I, I see both sides. You know, it's like, we're working through things. I'm, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I was in firmly in the camp that that child need their ass whooped. I was in that, that child mm-hmm. need their ass whooped camp for a long time. And then when the science came, I was like, Ooh, all right. When you know more, you should do more. When you, you know, when you get better information, you should change your mind. I think that's the side of intelligence. I was like, "Mm, yeah, I I wasn't thinking about that properly. Thank you for the science, Dr. Patton. Thank you for the science. Thank you for the science, Chelsea. Thank you for the science. Uh, Let's go to Teresa in North Carolina. She has a question. Hi, Teresa. Welcome to the Karen Hunter show. Well, thank you. I just have, I recently adopted three children ages four, five, and 11. Well, the four-year-old, no matter what we do, uh, she does not, she falls out. She has temper tantrums. What do you do for a child that has witnessed a lot of violence and is out of control? Oh, well, let me just thank you for taking children into your home and providing them with a safe place where they can figure some things out and become, uh, you know, uh, adults that are healthy. Thank you, uh, Teresa, for your heart. Um, I would challenge Chelsea, you're the expert, the, the categorization of a child being out of control, I think is problematic. Yes. They're not out of control. They have witnessed violence. They are dealing with trauma. Um, they need to see somebody. They need to talk to somebody. So I would, um, highly recommend talking to a pediatrician to find out if there's a counselor in the area, but they need to talk to somebody. A professional. Yes, a professional. Yes, okay. they need to talk to a therapist. Ter- Teresa, did, are they in therapy? They've been in therapy for over a year. Unfortunately, the four-year-old, um, for weeks after weeks, she, they kept bringing her back out because they could not control her. Then her therapist left, so she is starting back in therapy next week. Okay. And maybe control isn't the goal. Mm-mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know nothing. Chelsea. You're learning, Karen. You're doing great. You're doing great. I, I, there's so much that can go into this. So much. I don't know your daughter. 
Um, it sounds like she's in a loving and caring environment, but she might not recognize that. And so she needs, she needs to know that. But again, I would need a lot more information to give you a specific, like, oh, let's try this. Let's try that kind of response. But I know that she needs love. I know that hundred percent she needs some hugs. She needs some snuggles. If that's her thing, um, find out what her love language is and love her in that way. And oh, wait, how do her. children know what their love language is? I mean, no, the kids don't, but the adults do. I mean, the you said find, find out what her love language is. What, how would you do that? How, how do they like to show love? So for example, with my kids, um, I was, I was just doing whatever, like, oh, I'm giving you all this stuff and you don't seem to care about it. But once I started loving my oldest daughter with quality time, cause she'll, they'll tell you, I want to spend time with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to spend time with you. And we're like, no, we're busy, but let me go and get you something or here, just go onto your tablet or watch TV, get out of my face. They'll tell you. My daughter loves quality time. My youngest loves snuggles. So hers is physical touch. And mine is words of affirmation. You will know based on what they say and how they respond to what you're doing. So figure that out and just, just love on her. Like, again, I would need a lot more information to give you a, a solid response, but you know what? She needs love. let me, let me tap in the psychiatrist that we have, uh, ready to come in anyway. Cause children in therapy, all right, let me welcome to the show. Um, she's been here before. She's going to be here again a lot because I think she's, first of all, amazing. Psychiatry residency uh, director at Howard University. She's a doc named Danny. Danielle Hairston, Dr. Danielle Hairston is here. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. She's coming with that mellow energy. Hello. Hi. What? Danny. Hi. Very mellow. That is my voice but okay. all right. all <laughs> thank right. you for having me back i'm excited i was like i need to get these cards i need to hear about this game um so thank you for having me back professor hunter Absolutely. um i obviously do not do children let me say disclaimer i am a crisis emergency consultation liaison psychiatrist uh you will find me in the ed you will only find me talking to kids if they come into the ed but i wanted to say obviously I don't know anything about anyone they're not my patients or who your callers were but what I think you were saying also Miss Chelsea is that um this child needs security so when children go through trauma and trauma and trauma and it can be trauma can be neglect um people forget that so trauma can be neglect it can be a feeling of abandonment it can be being left alone it can be violence of course and we see the whole gamut with that but they don't trust. So they have been through so many examples time and time again of not having someone there, not having someone treat you appropriately, not having the care and love that you want. So they act out, yes, until they are secure. So security and safety should be something that we focus on, right? They need that secure attachment. And even though you might be coming in and saying, hello, I am here bringing you all this goodness. I am bringing you all the care that you missed. Why can't you get that? Because they can't, because they're kids and adults can't get that either. So how can we expect the kids to get it? So yes, they need that attachment. They need to let you, they need to know okay, you might leave, you're going to come back. You might give me this this time. You don't want something to exchange for it. I can get it again. Um, you might not hit, you're not going to hit me if I don't do the right thing. So they need that safety and security. So that is, I think what you meant with, uh, in addition to what they're looking for. And 
I know <laughs> Professor Hunter was like, how do you know your love languages? You can figure it out, kids. Give us, you know, figuring out the context clues, um, what they need. Some kids, I was the type of kid that I want to read. I want to be by myself. I want to, you don't have to hug me a thousand times. I'm good. Y'all got me some books. Thank you. I love y'all. I will see you at the end of the day, put some snacks on my door. However, my <laughs> sister was one who was like, I want to be with my mom. I want to cook in the kitchen. I want to bake. That was good for you. I love that for y'all. It's not for me. So you can, you know, you can tell with observation, with paying attention to your children and what they need. Oof. I know it's not my no, segment, my no, time. No, but no, it what, is. It's all your segments, it's all that, our segments. You know, coming. as as you're talking, Dr. Danny, um, I'm I'm thinking about how hard it is to parent multiple children because each of your children could want and need different things from you. And you're one person, which is why having a village is great. Cause you know, maybe grandma the one with the bosom, with the hugs, go, yes. you like hugs here, grandma, go, go sit with grandma. She going to hug you and that smother you with I the bosoms. Yeah. Yes. yes. You know, so, so how do parents, cause I, I feel like most parents are like one size fits all. This is how I'm a parent. Y'all gonna have to figure it out. These are the rules of the house. Everybody's going to follow these rules. I'm not going to a la carte. Like you don't get what you want for dessert. I'm not making five meals. Everybody's going to eat this meatloaf and these mashed potatoes. And that's it. That's all you're getting. But you can't parent that way. Is that what I'm hearing? Wait a minute. Meals are challenging. Meals are challenging for, especially for the working parents out here. So I don't want to have anything that says you need to fix different meals. You got to Uber Eats from three different places. No, uh, I, I cannot you support eat what that. What I can one. afford, period. Yes, and figure it what's... out. You're gonna learn to love these Brussels sprouts, Chelsea. What are, What are your thoughts on yes. this? Um, you you want the meals or I just it how you starts... how you a la carte parent? How do you? Yeah, it all starts with going back to that connection, and once you have that connection with each individual child, because I, I grieved my relationship with my oldest when I had my youngest, because I was like, everything's going to change and I'm going to be split in two and I'm going to have to be somebody different for her and for her. But once I got to know them on an individual level, it was much easier to treat them the way they needed to be treated. Now, if one child is saying you're spending more time with her than with me, you've got to assess that. My mom always said perception is reality. And for kids, their perception is very like, I need this right now. And if you're not giving it to me, you're the worst person in the whole entire world. And we have to, again, connect and talk. So I let them know I am one person. I say this to my daughter all the time. I am one person. I am doing the best I can. If you need something from me, let me know. Your sister right now needs something from me and she's younger. So I'm going to give her that, but I'm going to come right back to you. I'm right here for you, but I need you to give me some time. That's talking and connecting, letting her know that I have feelings too. And that I'm doing what I can with what I have. So she's learning, oh, mom's, mom's doing what she's human. She's a person. She's not this super magical being that's going to yeah. be exhausted and broken at the end of the day because she tried to be everything at all times for everybody. But that and comes along the, with the connection. The security. If you're telling yes. her, not right now. Yes. Hold on. I am going to come back. It's the reassurance there. And, so again, And then building, I show her the love. Exactly. Building that security. Yes, exactly. So I get real hype about this. And then I show her the love in her language that she needs. So that's why the quality time with her, that's why we talk at bedtime. We talk, you know, we play together as much as possible. I'm not one to play. I suck at it. So luckily my husband is great. And I'm like, oh, go play with daddy. Cause he likes to be a dinosaur, whatever. I'm not that great at it. So I can outsource that, but we can spend quality time together and have a talk. 
we can polish our nails together or whatever. Like, but I know that quality time is her love language. So I'm gonna love her that way. Otherwise she's not gonna get it. And that attachment starts at birth. It starts at birth. It starts when they're crying and you say, I, but I need to sleep train this baby. So I'm gonna teach them that they need to be independent at two and three months old, at eight weeks old. <laughs> what? They need to be independent. They need to learn how to stop crying because I need to sleep for work tomorrow. No, that attachment happens then. So once your child stops crying, they learn that they can't trust adults. That goes with them. Wow. I'm not like, so this is the science. It goes with them throughout their lives. They learn that they can't trust people because we need them to be something that they're not at birth. Dr. Danny, what is she talking about? I'm thinking I dodged the bullet. I'm thinking that right now. Whoo. Man, um, I would be tired right now. Y'all, all right. So what is she saying? What is, what is Chelsea saying? <laughs> At birth, we, we're training our children not to trust us? Well, I mean, the theories and the data, that's, that's why I was trying to emphasize the attachment. And there are different types <laughs> of attachment. And what we, our goal is secure attachment. So we want secure attachment. So even when I do go away, you believe and you trust that I'm coming back. So it can't be sometimes me right it can't be sometimes you're there for me sometimes you're not sometimes you let me cry and roll down the steps sometimes you <laughs> you know sometimes you come and pick me up or it has to be consistent so they're looking for consistency just like adults are correct in most relationships so they're looking for that safety and that security I you know I have a baby I am the worst with sleep training I couldn't do it I and I was jealous of all my friends who say yeah my baby's been sleeping since she was eight weeks by herself three months by herself and mine is 12 months she does whatever she wants Mm -hmm. um but also you know I work all the time I am a doctor mom so I have to give her that time that I do have so I don't want to hold that back and for her to feel like there's no security in my relationship with my mother. So security and safety, that is what we see when they come to me, when they are having these personality issues or having anxiety, social anxiety, the generational things that we see, because it does start, I have to agree, it does start back. And I was not a believer at first either, but it does start back with the relationships. I used to have patients who are 50 and 60 years old and talking about like, well, my mother did this and I didn't have this relationship. And I was like, can you, all right, Let that go. you're, you're 60, <laughs> but it's, it is it. So it's both understanding and then letting it go so that you can move forward successfully. Wow. Wow. I often say, you know, that we are acting out our childhood trauma. Most of us which is why, you know, the whole relationships that we need, the wholesome relationships that we need, we first got to work through that child. You know, Viola talks about in her book, by the way, Viola, is yeah. a, that book is all about that. Uh, and, and and it's an ode to therapy, actually, because it was therapy that, anyway, Shelly in Georgia is a therapist. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. You're on. Chelsea Elliott is here. Dr. Danielle Hairston is here. Hi. Yes. Hi. Good afternoon. No, I'm sorry. It's good evening, right? Yes doesn't matter somewhere it's afternoon morning and evening <laughs> look i just wanted to say first i love this conversation thank you for your work chelsea thank you for your work dr danny i am a psychotherapist in georgia and i actually am a family therapist and i wanted to definitely speak to what chelsea talked about as an emotional intelligence with adolescents one thing that i'm big on in my um, work with families is how to center the children 
in session. I empower them to speak. And oftentimes I get pushback from families who is like, well, they're not supposed to say anything and they can't talk in our home or they're supposed to be seen and not heard. And I think that's what one of your callers said. But in my sessions with my families, I let the children speak first because I want them to actually speak to their families and their parents and talk to them about how they've been feeling and the challenges that they've been facing as it relates to the therapy session. So I want to just say thank you to the two ladies. I appreciate the work you do. It is a lot of work. It is difficult work, but it's a blessing to do this type of work. I got to jump off because I have a 530 telehealth. All right. Well, God bless you. Thank, thank you for the you. work you do. Yeah, yeah. thank you for the work you do. I remember our time of family therapy and residency, and I was thinking this is a lot of work. This is a yeah. lot that they have to do. So thank you for, for that work. And how can you uh, have family therapy and the child can't even talk? Yeah. That we can't continue with this. Children should be seen and not heard. <laughs> We cannot continue with that trope. We can't continue to say things like that. And, I, you know, I'm big on ending generational trauma. That's an aspect right there. Children, if something is happening and then you silence them, how, when are they going, why would they feel comfortable coming in and telling you about it? Because they're silenced. Yeah. And then we just, again, perpetuate these things in our community. But it's, they're, they're not centered. The kids aren't centered in that. This is all about the parents. And I always can tell where somebody has a major trauma, like what age they were by the tantrum that they have as an adult. Ooh. The fit that they have as an I'm like, oh, you are 14 right now, 60 year old woman. Oh, oh you are eight right now, 90 year old man. Like I can tell where somebody had a trauma. And this is a generalization, of course, I'm not diagnosing anybody or any of that, but the way that people have tantrums, that unhealed person in them comes out and you can see what age it is, how childish it is. For them to respond the way they did but they didn't heal that part mm. why do you do this work chelsea elliott uh founder and ceo of somacom lab uh she's also the creator of eq kids crew it's a, a a game but it's more than a game why 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 are you doing this because i should have been dead a long time ago if i had had my way i would have killed myself a long time ago because that's where i was with how I felt about life. I was, I felt like I was a wreck, but it was all justified, but nobody knew what to do with it. Nobody knew what to do with it. So I was a brat, a troublemaker. I needed to be quiet. I was, I was attention seeking. That was the biggest one. Yeah, I was looking for attention because I needed help. And because God kept me here, this is my life's purpose. And the fact that like the path that I have gone on doing this, I know 100% for a, I quit my job in January. This is my life's purpose. This is my life. And I get to use my entire life to help and save other people and to be a voice for the kids who aren't allowed to have a voice. The impact that I've been able to have on people, I, I wouldn't trade this for the world. Wouldn't trade it for the world wow. because I shouldn't even be here. Quitting a job, that's a commitment. Uh, and we thank you for it. Uh, and then talking about that, teen girls in the United States, a new uh, study just came out by the CDC, have experienced record high levels of violence, sadness, and suicide, uh, death by suicide, uh, young girls. like. Yeah. And then it was black boys during yeah. the pandemic. Um, our children don't have outlets and they're, they're ending their lives here because it's untenable. It's not, it's not workable. Dr. Danny, what, 
for parents, because again, you know, your kid can come home and you think everything's fine. Right. What you, advice do you have for them to, to watch? And then what do they do if they see signs? If you see signs, talk to them and talk to them again. If they're saying no the first time, talk to them again. You know your child, I hope that you know your child and their behavior. If they're starting to do something that seems like that's not them, if they're trying, if they're starting to isolate, if they're staying in their room all the time. Now, you know, there's the child, the teenager angst, like they just hate everybody want to stay in their room um but if you're noticing that they are even being short with their siblings if they are being short with you they don't want to communicate with you even when we see use of substances like are they now you think they might be smoking something if you think they might be drinking and you can tell these things say something and don't just take i'm okay for for an answer say something again and say maybe you can't talk to me is there someone you do want to talk to? Because maybe they want to talk to their aunt, to their grandmother, to their uh, friend, whoever it is. God not that mama. that's the, yeah. not that that's their, not that that's their professional, right. but just for you to get an opening for you to be able to say, like, is there something? See, is there something going on here? And you might have to just say, well, we're going to go to this therapist. I'm concerned. Sometimes the therapy sessions with kids which you know I do not do or first multiple times you're just sitting there they're like I'm like are you are you going to talk no and I'm like okay I'm just gonna look look at you are you going to be back next week no well I'll see you next week so you you have to work with them like you have to you can't just take that first wall of resistance because uh, I think the theme today is now they have to be feel secure and safe so ask them the questions and listen, please do not continue to perpetuate this. Oh, well, they're a kid. They don't know. Children know things. They feel things. I think that's what Ms. Chelsea was saying that um, we have to listen to them and they have to be centered. And also they, they thrive and really live off of what they experience, how they see you cope with things, how they see you interact. They're not blind. <laughs> like they, they are a little, but they understand um, that something is amiss, even if they don't know exactly what it is. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I have two things to add to that, but that's okay. Um, like you said, listening, I had a middle schooler on Monday, tell me, we just want somebody to listen. We don't want advice. We don't want to hear anything else. We just want someone to listen. The kids will talk. If you listen, that's it. They will talk if you listen and build up your village, have a bunch of safe adults that you can go to that your kids could potentially go to, but you need people. You can't do this alone and they need people that they can go to that you trust and that you know. So those are my two additions to all the amazing, wonderful things Dr. Hairston just said. The village is everything. Uh, and Dr. Hairston's nails are too, by the way. I just, y'all can't see, but she's got uh, different Thank powder you. blue and uh, you know, baby it's blue. The small and joys. Yes. The small did joys you, I have nails in my, are, my are day. Are serving. <laughs> yes. Did you do them? Did, did you do them? You went to got, get them done? Were they yeah, did? Yeah. Shout out to my nail tech. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, I didn't want to show up looking raggedy in case this goes on YouTube. So yes, yeah, it will be on. She's and she using the hands too. She gonna let you let you see them nails. This is how you talk on the right. day that you get your nails done. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I love it. All right, let's uh, go back to the phones. Uh, let's go to Willie. Willie in D.C. He's on the Karen Hunter Show. Welcome. You are on with Dr. Danielle Hairston and Chelsea Elliott. Hi. 
Hi, good afternoon, everyone. I didn't catch the beginning of y'all conversation, but I, I caught the beating part. Am I too late to say something about that? You can say whatever. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I'm from Louisiana, and I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and I used to get beat all the time. And my parents has very way, had various ways to beat us. I mean, sometimes my parents would just throw rice in the corner until you get on your knees, and believe me, after five minutes, those knees felt like, those that rice felt like rock. So I get beat with uh, barber belts, belts, switches, everything. But my point is that helped me as a person. It really did. How? Uh, How did it help it, you? It, it just helped me be a better person to understand what's right and wrong, what I shouldn't do and should not do. Okay. So you needed uh, to I, be tortured to know what was right and wrong. I, I suspect you knew what was right and wrong before you did the wrong thing. No, well, you know, kids are kids, and they they do things they shouldn't do, uh, and kids only do what adults see. They see adults do most of the time, okay? But no, I mean, we, I would do we would do certain things. I mean, I don't, I can't remember because that's a long time ago. But <laughs> you remember the beatings and the torture. Oh, I, I remember them. But you don't remember time. why half the time you got beat. But you remember the torture. That's indelibly marked, etched in your in your psyche. Yes, ma'am. I remember the tortures. I really do. And uh, I wouldn't get beat that bad, but it was torture, <laughs> okay? But uh, like I tell my nieces, them, I don't have any children. I'll say, one thing, you're not dumb. If anybody tell you you're dumb, you tell them you're not dumb, and tell them come see me because you, you're not dumb. Because if you start telling a person that, they start believing that. Just like here in the race. You. I feel if you like you're being mess with your cognitive because uh, I'm confused by the message that you're giving your nieces. I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's something disconnected here. Uh, and may, please go back and listen to the beginning of the conversation because I think that actually would frame a lot of what you're trying to work through right now. Go ahead, Chelsea. I see your mouth is open. I, I, I have so much that I want to say. Um, I I know that there are a lot of people who, especially older people who don't want to disrespect their elders, right? That was the thing for them. So they don't want to say that their parents were wrong, but abuse is wrong. Abuse is wrong. And I don't know, Dr. Harrison, if you want to help me talk about ACEs. Um, but I ACEs, did want to help thank you talk about ACEs. Awesome. Adverse childhood experiences. They are abuse, neglect, and household dysfunction. And the more ACEs you have, the more abuse and trauma that you experienced as a child, the more health issues you are going to have. Statistically speaking, this is science. The more health issues, mental and physical health issues, the more um, behavioral issues you will have throughout your life. The more so, so getting beaten does not help behavior. It literally changes your brain's development. Our brains develop a certain way. When you experience, the more ACEs you experience, the it changes that. And so hitting, knowing and understanding that children do childhood things, childish things, and knowing that kids emulate the adults around them and still thinking that beating them is okay is a problem to me. And beating the romanticizing, it, it's almost like, like, oh, when Massa put the you know it's a it's a, it's a stockholm syndrome right. and, thank, yes. and yes. thank you for saying that because i have 
So one of my best friends um, is a Nia Hergaris is a pediatrician and she does she's done a lot of work on ACES. Um, and specifically, they came out sometime during the pandemic about um, beating and the impact of beating or spanking is, on is children. Is ACES, I'm sorry, is ACES at, an acronym? Adverse Childhood Experiences. Okay, ACES Adverse Childhood experiences. Okay. I'm sorry, Dr. Danny. And um, yes, we have learned, you know, I'm not, I, I do stay in my lane. I am a medical doctor, but history has taught us, history has taught us that it was not some beating from chattel slavery was not something that helped people who were enslaved. It didn't help me to say, oh, yes. Now let me do the right thing. It just reinforced torture, more torture, more trauma. So that now I'm in this traumatized state and then it's a form of control. So this is how you control someone. It's not how you teach them. It's how you control them with trauma. And then we, I can't, we our generations, our families have gone through that. Then we pass that on. So then we pass that trauma on and then you show your children this is how you get through things and it doesn't it doesn't make them behave better as chelsea said but it might make them um say okay well this is what i'll do next time so that maybe you won't catch me or i'll do it in a different way and then i also don't like you and i'm not trusting you and i don't feel that you love me so i don't want to talk to you and then we just continue to pass these things on from generation to generation Mm. and i have older parents um who i can't say that i didn't get beatings but i remember every single beating that i got and it didn't help me. It didn't help me. It did not help me to feel better. It didn't help me to have any resolve or resilience going into medical school or anything like that. It just taught me that I don't, I'm not going to do this in this way so that y'all can say something next time. I'm going to find a different way. Yep. Look at her whispering. What, what you do, Dr. Danny? Danny was <laughs> out there in the streets. All right, I'm going to take uh, one, one more, one more call. All the lines are lit. I'm, I'm grateful that everyone's calling because it says that a, this is a topic that people that, that touch people yeah. that, that is making you either remember something uh, but let me, let me get, I want to, let me see, let me see. Uh, Joyce in California. Hi, welcome to the Karen Hunter oh, Show. You're on. Hi, 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 Karen. And hi to the doctors. I'm so grateful to hear this conversation. I called about, um, got on the phone about an hour ago, but I was listening at the beating. I'm a 65 year old woman. I got all those things to beat, to shut up, do as I say, slapped in the mouth, all that kind of stuff. And it just really had me in tears. And like she said, the 65-year-old, five-year-old, you know, I felt that. I have a 46-year-old son, and I had to tell him, listen, I'm sorry. I didn't always do things the right way, and I think sometimes as parents, we need to apologize to our children. There's nothing wrong with that because we're not always right. We only did what, what was done to us sometimes, and I have grown grandchildren, and I tell my grandchildren that you can tell me anything. I won't have any judgment. Please talk to me. If you don't want to talk to me, I'll pay for you to get help. And um, I'm just so grateful for this conversation. And I was one that thought, okay, you should beat your kids and whoop them up. But I don't agree with that now because they need their, um, they need to be able to express themselves. I keep my niece's baby. He's an infant. 
And she says when he comes home, he doesn't sleep. He stays up all night. But with me, he goes to sleep. And I told her, I hug him. I rock him. I tell him I love him. And that makes a difference. Even though they're that little, they know what they need. Yeah. Like, I want to hug you so bad right now. That was so beautiful. And I love that you have apologized to your son because that rarely happens or it's, I'm sorry, but you did this. I'm sorry, but you, you made me do this. No, I'm sorry. I know better now. And I'm sorry. And that's all it takes. And you did that. And I'm so, oh my gosh, I'm so proud. So proud. The power of apology. That she changed her mindset that I was in this way, but in order to not pass something now, down to the next generation to my grand niece or nephew i am going to pivot i'm going to end this generational trauma in the way that i can and i also i'm not a hugger but i also will want to give you a a, a fist bump for that too i appreciate that <laughs> as well why aren't you a hugger what happened in your child now just play uh i'm only a hugger because i'd rather not shake your hand and touch your fingers uh because i don't know where they've that, been yeah, I, I, i'm just you know marcia 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 in maryland i i promised to take one call but i want to take this one as well and we're going to go to break go to a break hi marcia hi karen hi, hi. dr danielle and chelsea hi. i just wanted to give my testimony i was grew up in the south north carolina mother uh beat, cursed, called me out my name, which, but she, but it was out of love from what she said. So I leave, I go to the military. Every relationship I'm in is abusive. I marry an abusive man. I have a child now. We're divorced. And before I knew that my son was autistic, I knew that I did not want to be the type of parent that my mother was. So whenever he was upset, I would always get down to his level, let him cry it out, scream it out, or or roll around the floor with him just so he could work it out. I could not see myself passing on the trauma that I experienced in my childhood, which led me to be the adult that I was, passed on to him. I could not understand how my mother would tell me that she loved me, but she would hurt me. And I I never wanted my son to feel like that. I always wanted him to know that no matter what, I am here for you. You can tell me whatever. I will be there for you. But there's no way I can tell you that I love you and nobody has the right to put their hands on you. But I put my hands on you. So that's that's me trying to stop the generational trauma mm. that I experienced. And I just wanted to share that. Thank you, Marsha. Uh, yes. I appreciate you sharing that story. It's what we've been saying throughout this last few minutes is that the security, the relationships, because even as a child, you think, well, this person is hitting me. This person is cussing at me and calling me all types of names, but then sometimes they love me. So then 
there must be some type of love here. So then that's what I accept and I expect. So then when I'm in a relationship where the person is abusive, but then sometimes they love me, sometimes they seem like they care about me or they give me a gift. So then I think that this is how love goes. And this is how, um, this is how I should be accepting for a relationship to be. So again, there's those inconsistencies. So you don't have that secure relationship, but you see this. And when I did and do sometimes see children, um, who were neglected or who would, were abused, they would still say, well, I want to go back with my mom sometimes because they remember that there were sometimes that they seemed nice or sometimes that they saw they were, they treated my brother or sister differently. So maybe, um, maybe like this time I could, I'll try it out, but there's still not that consistency. So, but you're always going to give it that one more time, or maybe they'll love me and hit me, but might maybe they'll give me something. And then again, we see that in children, we see that in adults. And then when I'm called to do a consult and then they're saying, well, this person is throwing this, this is doing this. And I'm like, well, what's the problem? Cause it's not, you don't have a, a mental health issue. Well you do, but not a diagnosis. Well, what's happening? Well, they weren't coming when I was asking, I felt like I was neglected. And then you see that acting out and you see that they're not mm-hmm. able to um, tolerate they have poor frustration toler- tolerance, mm-hmm. what we call it. One of the powerful things Marcia said about her child was that she got down on his level. And I remember, Chelsea, one of the times you were on the show, we were talking about children acting out. And you said you, you get down to their level and you look them in their face and you talk to them. On, you know, you don't lord over them. And I thought that that was so impactful. Talk about what Marcia was saying. She, she's doing the absolute best thing that you can do. So with the grocery store example, when your kid is falling out, they got to get it out. If they're, so there's a difference between a meltdown and a tantrum. A tantrum is them wanting something, not getting it. You can kind of talk them through that. A meltdown is uncontrollable. So her son diagnosed with autism. It is, a, a, what's the word I'm looking it, it, They can't control it. It is an involuntary process. You can't beat that out of them. You have to get down with them and say, I'm right here when you're done. I am right here for you through this. And uncenter yourself, put them in the middle of that. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything to cause this. You didn't, you, it's not about you. This is about them and what they need in that moment. And so she's, she's absolutely doing the right thing. Getting down with him, rolling around with him, laying down with him, letting him get through that. And then he sees, wow okay, somebody is here. I have that secure attachment with this person. So I know it's going to lessen and lessen as he gets older. Because because the consistency is going to be there. Because the consistency is going to be there. Exactly. And I also wanted to say with something else that she was saying, um, people continue to seek that acceptance from abusers. And so they continue to get into abusive relationships thinking, okay, I'm going to finally get the acceptance that I've been looking for from this person. Nope, never mind. Jump into another abusive relationship. No, I'm going to finally get the acceptance. Please love me. Hurry up and like, love me. I'm going to do everything right. And they correct their own behaviors and they try to be the perfect person, completely ignoring their own humanity, looking for that acceptance from abusive people because that's how they were raised to see love. And that's what they, so that's going back to that broken person that they were, that hurt person that they were. So I just wanted to add that. Are we raising children to become abused adults? Uh, That's a question we got to sit with. Uh, Chelsea, you'll be back many times. Uh, CEO Somacom Labs, creator of EQ Kids Crew, which we tweeted out. Uh, Get the cards, play the game. Some adults need it as well. So, you know, you can pretend like it's for the children, but get y'all's. 
mental health together. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.